to Talking Rugby number 13. We are back and we've got rugby either side of the weekend. And it's brilliant because we finally have something to review. Matt, how are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you. I enjoyed a, a week of rugby and looking forward to another great week. It does seem very odd that we're talking about rugby and <laughs> how did you enjoy last week's game and we're looking ahead to this week. But it is back and unfortunately, I think the first game wasn't exactly the firecracker that we thought it could have been as the return of rugby. Uh, Harlequins versus Sale down at the Stoop, 16-10. It was a pretty boring game, wasn't it? Yeah, that, it was, wasn't was pretty at all. I think both teams were rusty. It was very clear to see. But it, I think Sale nearly won it at the end and that would have been a bit of a travesty because uh, Quins were on top for that most of that game. Well, as as much as on top as you could be because they were pretty poor as well. But I guess it, it was a game that got us started and probably not what we hoped for, like you said, but at least it was rugby. Exactly, it was. And interestingly, Sale did have more possession and territory, but mm. when Quinns had the ball, they used it a lot better. Yeah, I think Sale went through numerous phases sometimes, but they seemed to always end in a penalty. Uh, I think they're understanding or perhaps misunderstanding of the new law interpretations didn't work for them but uh, I expect them to fix that for this week Definitely and let's move on to Saturday and kicking us off on early Saturday afternoon actually was Worcester Gloucester 15-44 it was a good boost for Gloucester really, they needed sort of a kick after the form that they were in before lockdown but the red card did that change everything for Worcester do you think? Yeah, I think pre-lockdown, this was the only game that I thought, wow, that would have gone the other way. I don't think that was down to the red card, though. I think Gloucester were looking good before that, and I think Worcester were struggling in attack. They were solid in defence, so maybe they would have maybe they would have done better with a better pendulum at the back with a 15, 14 and 11, but um, yeah, it probably did change things. I think it would have been interesting to sort of see whether Gloucester could have held it together yeah. because at times Worcester did sort of come into their own for short phases. But obviously uh, Johnny May went off and he failed his HIA, which is unfortunate because it was his return in a cherry and white shirt. But Lewis Rees-Damit, well, he did a fantastic job filling his shoes, didn't he? Yeah, I think that is it's almost a like-for-like like, uh, replacement, probably not in terms of experience. Obviously May... He's got international experience in big World Cup matches, but in terms of speed and skill, Louis Rees-Sam is probably pretty close, probably as close as you can get um, for, for a young guy like him. He did a fantastic job, I must admit. Let's move on down the M5 to Exeter. They faced Tigers, convincing win 26-13. There were areas where Tigers looked better, but I really think they still need to be concerned. Matt, you're a Tigers fan. What was your take on this? I think if you take the first 20 and the last 20, for Tigers, it was a really good performance. Even even the middle part, because before Leicester would have collapsed, um, before the lockdown period, I think Exeter would have asserted some more, a bit more dominance without Leicester having all those penalties, it, you're probably looking at a much tighter game. I think there was something like 16 consecutive penalties or something like that. 
and then three of those were within a minute of each other and Exeter scored from that. So tighten up the discipline is obviously the big sort of pointer for Steve Borthwick. But um, yeah, I think Exeter did what they did, didn't they? From five metres out, they always score. They had the, a good rolling maul. Um, yeah, it was a good hit out for both teams. I think I think both teams would there would be pretty pleased with the outcome. Obviously, not with a defeat for Leicester, but for in the manner of the defeat. Yeah, I think you're right there. But you've got to look at penalty counts: eleven mm. to seventeen. I mean, that's high. It's ridiculously high from both teams. We sort of expect eleven to twelve in a game from you know both you know both teams. You never sort of expect both sides to be in double figures. But does that come from the fact that we've had five months out, players aren't probably at the form that they were, they've, they've got to comprehend with the new laws that are coming in? Is it a combination of everything or should we be alarmed? I've, I have a feeling it was just an anomaly because I don't think any the new laws have much to do with it because most of Leicester's penalties were around the mall area, I think, line out and mall. Um, yeah, we probably a trend that we'll have to look for this weekend, but I think it was just an anomaly from both teams, um, personally. What do you think? No, I think you're right. I think given where we are and where we've been, it's expected that we were going to have some slip-ups, and it's not really normal Okay, Tigers maybe have conceded a few more penalties than they used to, but especially from Exeter, this isn't this is sort of mm. unseen. So I think that it will sort of settle out. But let's move on to Bath Irish, thirty-four seventeen at the wreck. Now I'll admit this is the game that I didn't watch live, but I have watched back the highlights and I didn't really expect Bath to be as strong as they were. Yeah, I guess they've finally pulled together that squad, that twenty-three. Um, players that they wish to put together when they're drawing their squad up to a season or two in advance. And we saw the fruits of that, I guess. Definitely. And they they looked really good. And Ben Spencer... Mm-hmm. He drove it, didn't he? Very, very well. And he is going to be Bath's standout player for a few seasons, I think. Yeah, maybe he's putting himself, by getting this Bath shirt, Maybe he's really put himself in line for uh, taking over Ben Young's uh, in, in the short term. I'd, I'd say he played really well there. Probably he, even player of the week, potentially. Mm, he did. He had a very, very good game. But Irish, on the other hand, they looked quite unsettled at times. They edged Bath just in statistics, mm. but they really couldn't capitalise, could they? No, it was... I don't know, a bit of a weak performance. I saw a few teams, a few people tipping them for a top six finish or a, some even said top four, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're missing a little bit of stardust and that was evident in that game. It definitely, definitely was. Now, a game that I was really, really looking forward to was Bristol Saracens. It ended up 16-12 and by half time, I Honestly, I'd had enough. Really? <laughs> it was just boring. And I know the weather conditions didn't help. But this was, in my eyes, going to be an absolute firework display for both sides. And obviously Saracens have their relegation and they're not fighting for anything. But I just think it lacked. <laughs> it 
Yeah, it was one for the purists, wasn't it? Mm. Um, I guess, I think, was it Pat Lamb speaking about how to beat Saracens and maybe this is how to beat Saracens by keeping it tight. Um, certainly, the, like he said, the weather conditions didn't help. Um, yeah, I thought Saracens would actually win. They had that line-out at the end with, I think, a couple of penalties around the 80-minute mark. And I thought Saracens never messed this up. They will, they will always score. I expected them to score. But they, they messed the line out up, and that was so unlike Saracens. Potentially the first kind of slip up or alarm alarm bell since this whole salary cap thing came about. They did look slightly off colour, but it was a much needed win for Bristol as they stake their claim in the top four and look to stay very comfortably. Mm, I think they're they're in the pound seats now. But I do worry whether Saracens sort of will view the rest of the season of we've got nothing to play, so, you know, why? Why do we need to put everything into it? Yeah, Europe's going to be um, probably a distraction as well for Saracens, but um, they seem to be mixing their teams up a little bit. Sometimes, well, we saw last week Farrell wasn't involved. This week he is involved, but there's other England stars missing. It is interesting. They they need to squad rotate because they're mm. going to have a lot of rugby. And then Sunday afternoon to finish us off for the weekend, we had Northampton Wasps 21-34 over in, oh my goodness, I've had a mind blank at the stadium. Franklin's Gardens. Franklin's Gardens, there we go. <laughs> um, but Wasps visiting in fantastic form, sort of where they picked off before the break, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Probably this, unlike the Worcester Gloucester one, this one continued form where Northampton was slipping a bit and Wasps were really pushing towards the top four. I think it's a, a massive win for Wasps, big confidence booster. And that back line that we spoke about, the, the unsung back line or the underrated back line, really came into its um, power there, scoring 34 points. It did indeed, but I sort of thought that Wasps at time became a tiny bit complacent. Mm. Northampton did start to creep back in. I mean, it's a very good win. Mm. It's 12 points, but... No, it's not. It's 11, 13 points. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Let's just forget that. Um, but it's sort of... They almost became a little bit cocky towards the end, I thought. They, they knew they'd won it. Mm but I don't think they'd won it as convincingly as maybe they would have thought. Yeah, I think, was it two yellow cards they had or mm. something like that? They probably, um, well, as we spoke about earlier, disciplines was probably lacking a bit there and that's probably where they switched off and maybe couldn't play the game they wanted to at times. But to, to battle, what, 60 minutes with 14 men and still win like that away at Northampton is sort of yeah impressive it's very very impressive and they did very well but let's look at something that since the weekend has come out and been slightly odd shall i say so sales sharks director of rugby steve diamond has said well he's almost demanded that less time is spent on boring scrums now if you look at the data from opta sales match against harlequins had 15 scrums, two resets, and featured over an hour of dead ball time. Now, they had an hour 13 minutes, 
Worcester Gloucester had an hour and one minute of dead ball time. Bath Irish had 59 minutes, 57 seconds. <laughs> Exeter Leicester, an hour and five. Bristol Sarries, an hour and 11. And Wasps Northampton, an hour and 11, which means only two games had over half an hour of ball in play time. That is not good. We've got 80 minutes of rugby and the ball's being played on average for about 27 minutes. Yeah, that's what we want to see, isn't it? Ball in play. We want to see teams going at it uh, full on. And, um, well, obviously it's a better advertisement for the game when you've got ball in play. Um, dead time isn't what we want, obviously. with Without the teams, it's playing it gets a bit boring for the probably casual supporters um obviously steve was right in saying that his game was a little bit slower than the others because he's had more dead ball to de- uh, dead time so yeah it's a hard one isn't it it's a strange little thing that we probably didn't expect to be talking about but steve diamond has brought it upon us highlighted it and Maybe it's something that he had in the locker that wanted that he wanted to say, but has picked the time where Sale were really poor, so everybody's talking about this instead of talking about how poor Sale were on Friday night. I don't know. Well, it's interesting you say that because it's all very well for coaches to say, this is ridiculous, we need to set scrums better, yada, yada, yada. But they now know what refs are looking for refs are very clear on what they're looking for you can have referees come in and look at your scrums Mm. during training so if you've got all of that available to you surely somewhere you need to look at the coaching and say well if you're getting frustrated don't you need to change it yeah when you put it that way it sounds like an open goal doesn't it an own goal sorry yeah sort of thing i guess steve has to i don't know maybe it's just that's why i personally think that he's trying to distract the media the fans attention um to that instead of how poor the sale team were at the weekend uh sorry friday night but um yeah in terms of the refs i think maybe they've got to kind of hurry it along a bit maybe that's what he wants to do from the refs I didn't really notice it in Harlequin's sale match I noticed it more in the Wasps Northampton game at the end where I think Wasps were kind of playing for time while they had a man in the bin Um, that's where I noticed it most and it's times like that where I want the ref to say come on guys let's reset quicker Um, I think that's the short term fix but probably not the long term fix I mean you say that Wasps had 22 scrums six resets Mm. Quinns and Sale had 15 scrums two resets so you know about five uh, of those resets were at the end when Wasps were seriously killing exactly and I I understand any team whether you are playing the Premiership or World Cup final if you're winning at 79 minutes and you get a scrum you're going to walk and take your time Mm. but arguably if the scrum is good and everybody gets on with it this isn't a problem no um yeah it's it's all going to be down to the players and uh cleaning the boots when there's no mud on the boots (laughs) sort of thing i think 
it's like you say, it's got to be coached better, when, especially when there's nothing like a yellow card, time-killing. I guess that is a, a little coached thing. But to to avoid it, it's just... I really don't know what the answer is. Um, I, I don't know. I've, I think maybe the... Maybe there's got to be laws in there that have said a reset has to take place in, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds, uh, less than that probably, or maybe even the clock goes off. But then if the clock goes off, we'll probably get three-hour games and it will turn into the NFL or something like that. We don't want that. We don't want that. But something does need to happen. I mean, quite a few refs are good at stopping the time. Nigel Owens is very good. If players Wayne Barnes sort of, well. Yeah, Wayne Barnes. So... You know, refs are aware of it. Coaches, players, you know, you're mm. the ones in the scrum, not the referee. That's that's what I'm saying on this. Yeah, and maybe it's it's something that World Rugby have got to look at themselves, and maybe maybe coach it down from the top, uh, if that makes sense. Put some little gu- coaching guidelines in and say this is what we want. We shall see. But let's look at this weekend because hopefully we will have a little bit more than half an hour playing time. Otherwise, <laughs> I won't be happy next week. You're um, going to be timing it tonight on your stop, I know, just you wait. Phone. Just you wait. Uh, so we've got three games this evening, which is very bizarre. Uh, six o'clock, Sale versus Exeter. One having a win, one looking for a win. It's up in Manchester. Matt, who's your money on for this one? If you'd sail versus uh, Exeter, was it this one? Yeah, first one to kick um, time. Yeah, so if you look at form last week, you're you're probably looking at an Exeter win by about thirty points. But there's no way that Steve Diamond will let his team turn up and play how they played last week. Um, I think it'd be a much closer, much better performance from Sale. I think that's bound to be the case, really. Of taken off the cobwebs. The combinations in the back line are probably a little bit more... Um, well, obviously they've had a game now and a review of that game, so they kind of know how to work it a little bit better, maybe get Manu involved a little bit more. I feel like he was a, a dummy runner a lot last week. But I think Exeter will win this. Just I think they're just a better, a better team at the minute. They do look very, very strong. Let's move on to Wasps Worcester over in Coventry, quarter to eight kickoff. Who have you got? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, again, it's a real tough one because we're getting completely different teams uh, here. I think both Wasps and Worcester have entirely changed their starting 15 compared to last week, uh, which is probably unheard of, sort of thing. Um, when you've got games within six, seven days of each other. Um, probably from that, I'd say that the Worcester team is slightly stronger, slightly more experienced with Duncan Weir and his hair <laughs> and Chris Pennell uh, in the back line. And obviously, GJ Van Velzer. And it's a tough one to call, but I'm going to throw a surprise Worcester win. I don't know what you're thinking. Wasps all the way after <laughs> last week from both teams. I really think they've they've got the edge. I was just going to say, and they're at home, but yeah, it, that it's a game. Really <laughs> it, it's a game that Wasps really need to win because I think they've got a tough run 
um, that includes Bristol, um, Saracens. I think they've got to play Exeter pretty soon as well. It's definitely a needed win. And let's look at another needed win tonight. It's the West Country Derby, my favourite, Gloucester, Bristol at Kingsholm. And I just so wish that this was played before everything stopped because Friday Night Rugby at Kingsholm is just beautiful. It's going to be... okay. if this was before all of this, I'd Mm. say Bristol by 25. Yep. You know... Perfect. They are going shedding to shedding Yep. They are going to absolutely take every point on offer. But given everything that's gone on at Gloucester and how they played last week, this is going to be tasty. Mm. And Gloucester have managed to get those three speedsters on the pitch at the same time by putting Lou Reese Summit um at fullback, which adds to the occasion, I think. It's fantastic. And he has said that he is looking to play at fullback. And I think that's quite interesting because Gloucester need a consistent 15. Mm. They've got Woodward who's played there, Banham plays there, but they haven't sort of got a cemented 15 in place. And I think given his age and his talent, you know, you have him at fullback, Thorny and May on the wings. Mm-hmm. That's a good back three and if that can work for a long time for Gloucester depending on how he goes tonight mm-hmm. that's actually something that clubs will fear in a few years yeah it, a lot of people could maybe reply to that and say yeah, it's only a back three they've got to get the ball first but with Cipriani and 12 trees distributing um to them that's not really an excuse you can you can mention because that back line from Gloucester is really really good and I think Bristol will be forced to play a completely different game to the game they played last week. I think they might have to open up a little bit more. I think they will as well. My money is on Gloucester by eight. Gloucester by eight. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll go with that, actually. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, tomorrow, nice and early as you're having your lunch, Saracens, Harlequins, London, Derby, got to be Quins, would you say? What you reckon? <laughs> this was meant to be at um, Tottenham's ground, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it's a tough one to call. I'm going for Saracens because they simply don't lose at Allianz Park, even though it's probably a strange old place without any fans at the minute. I'm, I'm sticking with Saracens. I think they are. I didn't Harley Quinn's absolutely thrash Saracens as well earlier in the season. Yes. Yeah, during the sensations break. Yeah, I I can't see Saracens rolling over for this one. And then moving on tomorrow afternoon, London Irish Northampton. Mm. This will be interesting. Yeah, that's a really interesting match because, well, Northampton obviously lost uh, a game that they at home, and London Irish got uh, outplayed considerably by Bath. Um, This is probably the one to watch tomorrow I think in terms of the battle for Northampton whether they're going to actually put their foot in and go for the top four or are they actually slipping and the alarm bells are ringing for top six I think it's a real pivotal game for Northampton I agree with that totally I think if they want to stay claiming the top four they've got to win quite yeah, a few more I matches have to, have to win that match I think Northampton if Which they want 
Mm. Yes. Now, Leicester Bath tomorrow afternoon. This is a game that I absolutely love watching in mm-hmm. years gone by. But I'm not too sure about it this season. Matt, <laughs> what are you thinking? Um, I don't know if you've seen the team lineups, but they're really mismatched. Leicester have gone for a team that would you'd probably see in the Premiership Cup. Maybe not quite as bad as that, but it's a second team. Whereas Bath have gone with their pretty much full strength. I think they've only made one change in the whole 23 um, from that win over London Irish. So it's going to be a tough afternoon for some young guys in that Leicester, Leicester team. It's really bizarre. I mean, Tigers have made 13 changes. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, their first of two home games in five days. So maybe they're looking to save some of their big stars. But it's just... I don't know, it just seems, like you say, like a, 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 a really quite a big B team and there isn't, looking at that team sheet, okay, Cole's on the bench, but that's mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> 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 there isn't anybody there that is sort of able to offer any huge experience if things go badly, badly wrong. Yeah, they've even got a scrum half on the wing, <laughs> which <laughs> says quite a lot. But... Um... Obviously, from this, we can see that Leicester are really targeting that game against London Irish uh, at home on, I think it's Wednesday night. That's obviously where we'll see the big names come out. Um, but again, this is a real chance. I think the Leicester of old, if if I can still say that, um, this is obviously without the internationals. They had players like these guys step up to the plate and really perform. And I think this is this will be the real tell, telling point of where Leicester are at in terms of strength and depth. It could be. And you make a really good point that I mean, we're sat here not slagging off the team at all, but we're saying it's very unusual because it, it is a B team. But there is nothing wrong with the B team. You know, these guys, they are all pretty much relatively quite young. They have to make a chance and take it somehow. And, you know, they could prove us all wrong. Yeah, this it's a massive, massive chance for these guys because while there's a lot of players in front of them, this is their chance to, to make a name for themselves. I think maybe Steve Borthwick is treating this um, period of rugby, uh, nine games now, eight games, as a pre-season to work out what his best squad is with internationals and what his best squad is without internationals. And I, I, I really think this is... Big chance for some of those guys uh, to really make a name for themselves. I mean, Tigers at the moment, they've got, they they don't have anything to lose because making top six is not possible. They're not going to get relegated. So use it, like Mm. you say, as a pre-season. Use it as some games where you can experiment with your squad. And then, you know, if you suddenly think, oh, God, we actually don't have anybody... Mm. You've got the flexibility then to go, okay, who do we need to bring in? Rather than being caught as a rabbit in headlights, you know, three months down the line next season. Yeah, absolutely. Had Saracens not been relegated already, or any other team for that matter, this would have been a totally different Leicester squad and probably not something that they'd want going into this new era because they want to find out what, what they've got and what they need to bring in. And... That they wouldn't have a chance to do that because they'd have been playing George Ford, Ben Youngs, 
well, more than week in, week out, just to ensure that they stay up in the Premiership. Indeed. So, oh, who we, I, we, we've got to go for Bath, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry. No, <laughs> yeah. Big stuff, all the youngsters. I'm sorry. You've got to go with Bath with Watson, Rocket Ikuni, Joseph, Redpath, McConaughey, Greaseland, Spencer. You That's know, a serious backline. Under her. It, it is fantastic. And you know what I'm really, really looking forward to is seeing Redpath Joseph partnership because I think that could mm-hmm. stay around for a long, long time. And that looks exciting. Yeah, there's so many little combinations there that can set alight the premiership. Even if you look into the forwards, you've got Sam Underhill and um, Charlie Ewells, Tom Ellis and Falatau. Uh, that is a, that's an international um, forward pack. Um, certainly with Sam Hill there guiding the ship I think that is going to challenge Leicester was certainly on in the breakdown where maybe Leicester haven't been strong enough at in recent years oh, well good luck Tigers <laughs> <laughs> we have no games on Sunday which is a bit of a rarity but we will be back next week as we look at what's happened this weekend and look forward well, we'll actually look at what's happened this weekend and maybe some of the midweek games as well. Enjoy the rugby, Matt. I will see you next week. Yes.